I get for working overtime? Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Max Pennell, and Jace Brown joining you on a Monday after a big weekend in sports. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us tonight as we talk about the Vols falling flat in College Station on Saturday. Of course, we'll dive into the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and of course, we'll give our best bets at the end of the hour. Well, let's begin with this. And it's the Vols dropping a uh, really bad loss to Texas A&M in terms of performance. Uh, Sixth-ranked Tennessee, who entered the game at 17-5 and and 7-2 and in SEC play, uh, could not weather an early long-range shooting onslaught by the Aggies and climb back at Reed Arena, falling 85-69 to to Texas A&M. Fifth-year guard Don Connect paced the Volunteers with 22 points in the setback, marking his eighth time posting 20-plus in the last nine contests. However, the Aggies, who hit eight of their first 12 three-pointers um, through the through 12 and a half minutes, uh, took a 42-28 to 28 edge into the break. They finished the frame 8 of 16 behind the arc, while Tennessee went a ugly 3 of 13, shooting 23% at the other end with all threes made by Dalton Connect. For AM, graduate student guard Tyrese Radford led all scorers with 27 points for the Aggies, adding five rebounds and five assists. Uh, we talked a lot about um, Taylor the fourth. He totaled 25 points and a game-high seven assists, finishing five of 11 from deep, uh, connecting on each of his first five attempts. Both those guys came out blazing mm. and really put the Vols at a setback. Uh, Solomon Washington, another guy, uh, a slasher who was really good on the glass, added 11. And Anderson Garcia, a guy we talked about on Friday, um, he came into the game leading the conference in rebounds off the bench. He pulls down 17 in this one, including nine on the offensive end to pace all players. Uh, obviously, Don Connect with 22. Zakai Ziegler finished with 15, career high six rebounds, but uh, not enough, just two guys. Um, uh, you know, two guys really only showing up. Uh, guys will involve everyone now. Takeaways from the embarrassing loss at AM. Max, we'll begin with you. Yeah, you know, that was a certainly a setback, I think is the best way to put it. Um, really nothing went well offensively or defensively. Dalton Connect also struggled with foul trouble. He didn't really get going until the very final minutes when the game was out of hand. Um, just one of those games you kind of want to, if you're the coaches, you just kind of throw out the tape and say, we're not going to dwell on this, we're going to move on. That was 
you know, by far the worst defensive performance since the UNC game. I think they gave up over 1.2 points per possession, um, which is the worst they've they've produced in SEC play. And you mentioned Radford and uh, Taylor. I mean, it, it kind of felt like they got whatever they wanted. They mm. were really picking on Justin Ganey, I felt yes. like, throughout that game. Um, or Jordan Ganey, excuse me. They would get him one-on-one and just blow by him, draw a foul, or, or make an easy layup, or get someone else having to help and, and get him in foul trouble. And, you know, we mentioned it, William, last week before the LSU game, and LSU really wasn't able to to punish Tennessee in the in the same manner that A&M was. But the, the overhelp, it feels like, when guys are penetrating, creating open looks for three, A&M came in shooting 25% from three. And, and they shoot the cover off the ball mm. from behind the arc. And, and I felt a lot of it was due to the defensive performance, not, you know, good shot making per se. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw it to Taylor on that one for the shot making aspect. I mean, he, he started off five for five for beyond the arc and just lighten it up, like you said. Uh, I, I think the standout thing here, like you were talking about, William, was just the poor rebounding. It just felt like there was like a lack of effort. Not that... Uh, that taken away from Garcia or anything because he's a monster, but the Vols really didn't put any towards effort or any effort towards it because, I mean, you put out Adu, he only tallies 20 minutes, only five rebounds. He gets out-rebounded by Zakai Ziegler uh, on Saturday night, so that's one thing. Uh, they also just couldn't – it didn't feel like they could get to the rack at all on the offense. They're always having to kick it back out. They shot 29 threes uh, in that contest, so that's always – that's not truly the strong suit of this team now. We can hit them when we, uh, when we have to, but we absolutely – just did not uh, find the bottom of the cup at all on Saturday. So uh, I, th- I think the Vols got a little bit frantic, uh, just not one that you want to dwell on too long. Yeah, so let's begin with uh, my biggest takeaway, and it's allowing A&M to go just ballistic on the boards. Um, mm-hmm. It was something we talked about on Friday going into this one. A&M uh, shoots below 10% of the Division One average from every spot on the floor besides a couple spots in the mid-range. The way they win games is by getting second-chance points and getting rebounds and kicking it out and getting another shot opportunity. And this one early on, A&M came out guns blazing, shot the ball really well. And then when they started to cool off a little bit, they attacked the boards, and, and it was a, a, a perfect storm to beat Tennessee A&M's way. Um, you know, you come out hot, and then you get back to, right back to your bread and butter of winning on the glass and getting second chance points. So, um, in terms of countering the 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 style of play on the road, Tennessee was not able to do that. Um, Don Connect played well, Zakai Ziegler played well, but other than that, didn't get really any production from anyone else. Uh, Mayshack was the third leading scorer with eight points. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. Um, so you're um, your, your production from your complementary pieces was absent um, and also just didn't shoot the ball well as a team. Now, um, the shot quality was was pretty good. Uh, shot quality expected Tennessee to win 82-79 to 79, um, if, if the shots were made that were taken, but um, they were not able to and even had six open threes, um, but only had 1.1 points per possession, as Max alluded to. Um, it was just an ugly game on the road. Never really got any momentum. Uh, you were you were chasing from the really the first moment of that game, um, and and the all the opportunities you had to get back into it, all the the punches you gave, a And M had a response every time. Um, it, it's it's one of those games where you know we've we've talked about how important handling business is 
um, especially against inferior conference opponents. Um, Because, look, college basketball is very competitive. Any team can lose any given night. We saw a couple teams lose last week, and that gives Tennessee the opportunity to solidify themselves as a number one seed. And you you drop this one, it's a tough loss. Um, So it really just never got any momentum, never was able to – uh, follow any of the keys to the game that we we discussed here on Friday, um, and it, it's a tough loss. Um, let's talk more about Garcia and a and attack on the glass. Garcia became the first SEC player with 15-plus rebounds against Tennessee since Arkansas's Jalen Williams. He had 16 in February of 2022, um, while his 17 boards marked the most by a volunteer foe in league play since LSU's Tasman Mitchell Grab that many on February 4th, 2010. So, a historic night for Garcia and a historically bad night for Tennessee. How dis- disappointing were the Vols on the glass? Yeah, you know, uh, it, the, the stats bear it out. It was abysmal, and especially knowing how good that team is, and really that's how they're going to win. You mentioned it, William, and, and I said they're 25% from three in conference play. Mm-hmm. You know if you can limit them to one shot of possession, you should probably be in good shape at the end of the game um one thing and really for the first time all year I felt like I had a little bit of an issue with Rick Barnes uh his game plan and his substitutions I felt like Ganey was just out there too long I know connect was in foul Mm -hmm. trouble and you know first half you mentioned it they get hot you know they start cooling off you know they're going to regress a little bit they're not going to shoot 70 percent from three second half starts they start kind of abusing Tennessee even more on the offensive glass and he went, pulls out, pulls Adu out, and replaces him with Meshack. And I mm-hmm. felt like that was a, a really bad decision in that moment. I felt like you got to have one of a Walker or Adu on the court at all times mm-hmm. with the way they were abusing us on the glass. And then we were playing with Josiah being the tallest guy on the court while they're mm-hmm. manhandling right. us on the glass. And I felt like that was a, a, a mistake from, from Rick Barnes. And I also just felt like it was painfully obvious what they were going to do to Ganey on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just threw our hands up and said, okay, we'll live with it. But, yeah, I felt like the glass, you know, it wasn't going to be good either way, but I felt like there were some coaching decisions throughout the second half mm. that could have mitigated it a little better. Yeah, yeah uh, to stifle that, uh, the offensive rebounding for AM small ball is definitely not the way to go about it because, uh, I mean, Garcia just went crazy on everybody. It didn't matter who he was matched up against. It didn't matter if it was a Waka uh, in his short time out there. Adu was just getting bullied up and down the floor by him. Uh, you can't really rely on Josiah Jordan-James to just be that five-hole guy. I mean, he can guard one through five, but you don't want him to guard one through five. You want to have him stay more towards the one through three where he's more comfortable, can size up some guys, make a difference. But you you throw Garcia out there against when your tallest guy out there is six six. Of course he's going to go crazy. Uh, so that, like you said, I'll I put that one on Barnes, his game plan right there. Uh, not sure what was going on. I mean, maybe more of a defensive uh I guess, pr- presence from Meshack, I guess you would say. But beyond that, it just horrible. I still think lack of effort plus uh, lack of personnel just equals bad. Well, A&M plays kind of small ball already. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you mentioned the the substitution, taking Adu out and, and placing Meshack in. I noticed that as well. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of it either because uh, you need some sort of size. And Meshack is very athletic, good defender. Um, but I thought also he was in there too long at some points, um, along with Ganey. Ganey's a cone defensively, we know that, but he's a guy that can come in and be a spark plug. 
Um, now, that spark plug doesn't last forever. That spark goes out, and I think it did go out, and there wasn't a substitution. Um, I like Meshack. I like his defense. He was in there too long as well. Um, I don't understand why you're trying to counter their them playing small ball with you going small as well. It didn't really work out, especially with how athletic they are on the glass. Um, uh, it, it didn't work. So, you know, we, we know how thin this team is at center. Um, but Adu wasn't necessarily in foul trouble. So I, I didn't really understand taking him out because, I mean, having a guy that's 6'11 against a team that doesn't have that kind of size is an advantage. Um, and I thought he needed to stay in there. But I think really the, the biggest thing on the glass was just a lack of discipline for boxing out, locating your man, and 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 just grab going for the ball. AM's got a really good knack for that. Mm-hmm. They go and find the ball. Um, Tennessee kind of looked like they were waiting for the ball to come to them and weren't boxing out and finding their guy. As a result, you get pounded on the glass and allow uh, Anderson Garcia, a guy off the bench, to rebound 17 basketballs yeah. against you. Um, Don Connect, Zakai Ziegler, only two vols and double-digit scoring. Meshack, as I mentioned, finished with eight, being the closest to that mark. What kept the complimentary pieces from getting involved, Max? You know, I, I think part of it you have to credit Texas A&M. They're a very good defensive team, and and they proved that once again Saturday. Um, the the first half, the blitz, it kind of felt like, uh, like you were saying, is that we were just chasing, you know, the whole mm-hmm. second half. Zakai Ziegler took eight threes. Generally, he's not going to shoot no. eight threes. It was just the nature of the way the game went and Dalton Connect being off the floor. But – you know, I think it was a combination of guys just missing shots they generally make. I still think, you know, I've kind of gotten to the point with Vescovi personally. I've been waiting for that game to say, okay, we're going to need him in a moment and he's going to show up. At this point, I think he, he kind of is what he is. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not giving us much on the offensive end at least. And he just seems hesitant to really shoot the ball um, or even drive it. I mean, last year and when he shows flashes, he get his pump fake is so good and he blows by a guy and then either – you know, sucks the defense in and finds someone else or uh, or draws a foul and scores at the basket. And this year it feels like the moment he pump fates and gets a guy off balance, he's just mm-hmm. immediately dishing it out and nothing's really coming from it. Josiah James, to me, is just too Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and, and it's been more of the negative in conference play especially. I mean, you take out that Kentucky game, he's around like mm-hmm. 3.8 points per yeah. game in conference play. I don't think you can really trust him. Um, he's not playing aggressive enough. I mentioned that last week is – He's one of the few guys outside of Connect that has the size and athleticism to really blow by a defender and make a tough basket around the rim. Guys like Ziegler and Vescovi can't do that as well, and especially mm. not Ganey. But I just think it's these guys also benefit much more when Connect is playing well. I mean, that's going to get them better looks. The defense is going to worry more about Connect, have to help more. And when he's not doing that, then you're asking guys like Josiah and Vescovi to win one-on-one battles, and we. We saw last year and the year before kind of how that went offensively, mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of back in that same position. Yeah, I, I think whenever you get down big, like you said, and you're trying to chase uh, chase those points back uh, for yourself, you're, you're not really relying uh, on those role-playing guys. You want to get in, into the hands of the likes of Ziegler and Connect, who, again, are already putting in points, just got to rely on them once again. So, I mean, uh, I, I thought we had gotten past the fact of uh, – you know, being nervous whenever you're down. I mean, we saw them come back from a not good Vandy team on the road, but I mean, once you get that on your belt, you're like, hey, we can do this. 
maybe you learn from that and continue to roll with it. But that that seems to have taken a step back at this point. Uh, you know, trying to give it to the hot hand and just keep the hot, keep the hand hot. Uh, that doesn't really work in this league. Uh, and I I just don't think this team has uh, taken the step that we initially thought they had uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, I think it goes back to confidence for me. It, it just mm-hmm. seems there's a lack of consistent confidence every night. Um, you know, what Josiah Jordan James did against Kentucky was great. Mm-hmm. He was aggressive. He was confident. Um, and he had a couple moments of that against A&M. A couple uh, – he had a pull-up shot I really liked that was aggressive. I was like, okay, that's very similar. Um, but then there were other moments where, you know, Viscovi's at the top of the key with a wide-open three and doesn't take it. And he takes a dribble and passes away. That's not the same Viscovi that's been here at least starting over the last two to three years. Um, so I think it's just a lack of aggression, a lack of confidence, and it's something that's been so hot and cold. Their Knights will come in here and say, man, how about the Vols' complimentary pieces? They were aggressive. They were finding their shot. They they look great because of that. And then there's other nights where we're like, you know, uh, why, why, are they, why are they not being aggressive? Why are they not being confident in their shots? Um, why are we having to rely on Dawn Connect for everything? And this was one of those games where it was literally Connect and, and uh, Ziegler, mm-hmm. only guys putting up any shots. Um, looking at the shot chart for um, Saturday night, it's ugly. Um, 7 of 24 from the top of the key, 29%. 0 for 4 in the corner three. Uh, supposed to be the easiest shot around the perimeter. Uh, one of five in the mid range, uh, four of twelve in the paint, um, and only sixty two percent when within a foot of the rim. Um, so obviously not great either. Um, and credit to Jordan Moore here for sending me uh, Santiago Vescovi's uh, sh- shot chart for the season because he's a guy that has just been out of sync. Uh, Twenty seven of seventy eight from the top of the key. This is a guy. And Viscovi that came into the season as one of the top ten, you know, top three point shooters in college basketball, mm. um, shooting thirty four percent from the top of the key, twenty eight percent in in the mid range, and twenty two percent in the paint. Um, now that's outside of the you know layups and stuff, but uh, has not been a good year for him, and and it's just a lack of confidence and a lack of really volume. Um, you know, 78 shots from the perimeter. What are we? 26 games in? How many games? 23. 23. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was a little bit off there. Um, but 23 games in, I, I feel like that's a significant lower number than years past. And I know Don Connect is there, and I know he's taking some shots away from Viscovi, but that doesn't mean he can't be a non factor. And I, I think it just it all ties back into. The lack of confidence and a lack of aggression night in and night out. It's too hot and cold. It's too inconsistent. And the Vols will not be able to get to where they want to be if you've got inconsistencies across your board and their performances night in and night out. Um, So another thing uh, Jordan sent me that I think it's pretty interesting as well. So Tennessee's adjusted offense and adjusted defensive efficiency ratings per month this season. So in November, seven games, you had – Adjusted offense of 69, adjusted defense of 14. Yeah, nice number there. Um, December, five games, adjusted offense of 31, adjusted defense of 10. January, eight games, adjusted offense of 34, adjusted defense of 6. February, adjusted offense of 3, adjusted defense of 172. Not good enough. That's that's horrible. Um, Are the Vols still the same team defensively, Max? 
You know, I, I think some of that is a little bit of an outlier. The Kentucky game just kind of turned into a track meet, and we were willing to say, hey, our offense is going to score more than yours. Um, but the sample size, you know, you throw in the A&M game. The LSU game, it felt like the last eight, there was about a five-minute stretch where they just kind of stopped playing defense. Yeah. Um, if you yeah. take that out, I think it would have been a little better showing on the defensive end. But it certainly is worrisome, um, I, and I think some of it is personnel-related. You know, I, I've harped on Ganey. Connect also is, is not, and, and Barnes rightfully chewed him out for it in College Station on Saturday. You know, he's kind of a non-factor defensively. You'll take it with, with what he gives you on the offensive end. But it is starting to become a worrisome trend for me, William, um, and it's something that's you're, you're not going to – I mean, you can get picked off in the second round playing defense mm-hmm. like that. And, and we saw – how thin our margin for error is, I think that's really the thing I take away from this, is the margin for error is not as big as I think we once thought it was with this team. You see what happens. Connect gets in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. We're probably screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, he gets in foul trouble in a second-round game against a 7 or a 10 seed. You might not win it. I mean, A&M's right in that range. So mm-hmm. is Mississippi State. Um, so that worries me. And, and the the defensive concerns, I think, are, are fair. And those numbers will probably come down with the next stretch of games. We're playing you know, three straight teams that – aren't really tournament caliber yeah. um, and should get better defensive showings. If it mm. doesn't improve in these three games, and I think you really need to press the panic button because mm-hmm. Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt you know, should be right. easier challenges for the defensive side of the ball. Um, and one more thing I wanted to touch on when we were talking about the role players, I feel like this year with Jonas Adu, you can pretty much tell in the first 10 to 12 minutes of the game what kind of night he's going to have. Yeah, uh, you know he he has games where he shows up in the first 10 minutes. He's you look up, he's got eight and six already, and then if he doesn't, it kind of feels like he's just you know going through the motions on both sides of the ball. That's another mm-hmm. thing I just wanted to touch on is I feel like he's very easy to read pretty mm-hmm. early in the game what kind of night he's going to have. Yeah, it feels like besides like your defensive standouts, I mean, I can, I can name probably three uh, that are definitely going to be your solid guys night in and night out, and that's Ziegler, James, and Mayshack. I think those are about the only three guys consistently. Mike can throw a walk in there on a good day, but some nights uh, like Saturday, it's just a big lapse down there. So uh, I think good point there about the personnel uh, issue. I mean, we still haven't figured out uh, it feels like I, I think we've seen glimpses of it. We still haven't felt where we get five guys on the floor that mesh really well on the defensive side. It always feels like one person's just lagging behind a little bit, bringing everybody down with them. And I mean, the saying goes, "You're only as strong as your weakest link." I, th- I think that's exactly what this defense is uh, all about right now. And uh, like you said, sample size right now in February, uh, <clears throat> the Kentucky game didn't help at all. Like you said, but. Played pretty good against LSU. I mean, we were up like 26, let them get back down to like an eight-point lead or something like that. Uh, it's definitely not a good look, but you really do have to take care of business uh, in these next upcoming games against three teams that are just not good. Uh, now, if, if, this, if this was the case early in the year, I don't think people would be worried about this nearly as much. But, I mean, you're getting to the – like within a month, we're going to be playing uh, March Madness basketball. So, I think right now uh, it, it's not where the team wants to be, and they're really going to have to do some soul searching here. Yeah, and one thing just real quick. It's kind of ironic because last year and the last few years under Barnes, it was like, man, if we can just get top 30 offense, mm-hmm. yeah. we're a Final Four team. Yeah. And now we're finally getting that, and it, and now we're having questions about can we get top 30 defense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, I, I, I think the the last three games, at least the, the last, well, I guess two out of three, I mean, A&M's performance was not good. We're not able to stop them at all. Um, and really the, the common theme this year has been – you struggle against really good guard play and teams that can 
rebound usually with a big post presence. A&M mm-hmm. did not have that. They kind of have a collective group that can dominate the glass. But every loss Tennessee has this year, there's been really good guard play or a really dominant big. And I know there's going to be that on probably any team you face. But, um, you know, Radford and, and Wade Taylor had their way early on. Um, you know, came out of the gates in that first half, 10 of 20 combined. Um, and, and that's not going to get things – that's not going to get you a win. Um, and they were great the whole way. Anderson Garcia, 17 rebounds as a team. They out-rebounded you. That's not going to win you games. Even against Kentucky. Uh, what was it? Dillingham had, what, 35? something like that. I mean, Dillingham had a bunch. Reed Shepard had a bunch. Those guys are really talented players. They're going to get their, you know, their, their bit, but um, you can't allow that either. Um, so, uh, and, and I'm getting another moment here uh, from Jordan. Tennessee's defense has allowed three straight opponents and four out of their last five to an offensive efficiency rating of 100-plus. Um, that's the first time an opposing offense has had a 100-plus offensive efficiency rating in three straight games at Tennessee since the COVID season in 2020. Eesh. So, uh, obviously, it's been an, an, an uncharacteristic stretch, as Max alluded to. It's usually, man, can we get this offense going? Mm. And now it's, man, what the hell happened to the defense? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that's definitely got to be tuned up. Um, you know, Bud Walden, as we kind of move into our, our next question here, uh, Bud Walden is – Always a tough environment to play in. Uh, they don't have the same caliber uh, players that a couple of these teams have. Um, Arkansas, you know, they have L. Ellis, a really good transfer, but I wouldn't put him on the level as Wade Taylor. Um, they've got a couple um, nice transfers down low as well, but they're they got a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, Devo Davis is back for them, who was their one of their stars on last year's team um, in the tournament, and he's they figured out some of those problems there. Um, but you know, still, it's a it's a a tough road environment. So, uh, are we worried for the Vols at Arkansas? I think it'll be closer than it probably should be. I'm not worried. Um, Arkansas. I mean, they went on the road to LSU and lost by 40. They're a team that's in a, in a free fall right now. Mm, yeah. You know, this is not what we've come to expect under Eric Musselman. It feels like for once he's whiffed kind of in the transfer portal. He's been so good. Yeah at swinging for the fences and usually connecting. This year just feels like he didn't get the right collection of talent. That environment will give them a little bit of juice. If they you know, start out hot, I'm sure it'll be a tight game for longer than we probably all want, but I'm pretty confident Tennessee finds a way to win that one. One thing I wanted to mention, William, you know, you kind of talked about the blueprint to beat us. Yeah. Now South Carolina, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, you can throw Purdue in there as well, four mm-hmm. of the six teams – very half-court-oriented teams, mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. that is something that has given us issues this year, especially in SEC play, is teams liking to keep the game in the half-court, preventing us from getting in transition uh-huh. and using Dalton Connect and some of these guys on the offensive end in advantageous matchups. They're going to you know, make it a possession-by-possession game, get set defensively, and I feel like that, you know, that's kind of the way we played for a while, yeah. and now you look at it this year, we want to kind of do the opposite. And that's just a trend that I've noticed in these three SEC losses is they're all teams that like to keep the game in the half court yeah. for, for the most part. Uh, as for Arkansas, I'm not terribly worried. Like you said, Bud Walton's going to be electric like it always is. Uh, but, I mean, those internal problems have really spun that program like a 180. I mean, they were like a preseason like top 15 squad, and now they're not even likely not even going to make the tournament unless they get just like some crazy late season run that we haven't seen out of a team in quite some time. So uh, I, I think it goes back to, you know, 
getting your footing once again. I mean, you get these role players involved. And don't get behind early uh, and start panicking and just feeding the ball to connect. You might uh, have a chance to win by double digits, but beyond that, uh, I think you just really got to trust yourself on defense. Uh, don't let the guard play uh, affect this game. I think you could go down there and win. Yeah, Max, I'm kind of pondering what you said there a minute ago. Looking, you know, that Alabama game. Uh, you did a really good job of running out, and they play high, pay, you know, high pace too. Um, but you kind of matched it, and and were able to run away with that Kentucky one. Kentucky as well. Um, Kentucky mm -hmm. as well. The Florida game, you had a lot of big turnovers. Um, that resulted in Connect going down, making some big plays in transition. The Vanderbilt game in that second half as well. Um, uh, trying to think of any more, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think I mean that's that's something I've never thought about, but. Um, it's a good point, you know. I, I guess you you can add that to the 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 list of of issues with this team. Um, but I, I think you know, looking at the Arkansas game, um, I, I think it's a, a tough environment to play in. They actually won this weekend. They beat um, Georgia um, at at home. I think uh, it, might, it might have been at home. It was yeah, it was in yeah. Fayetteville. Um, so. And and they also got a Devo Davis back. Um, not like he had a big game or anything, but at least it seems they've mended some of those issues um, that were underlying a couple weeks ago. Um, but this has got to be a game where you handle business early. Um, I, I it, you know if you drop this one, then you're having real concerns, and and you're you're a month away from the exam. The exam starts in March mm -hmm. and it begins with the SEC tournament. That's your that's your time to study. And then the exam starts in March. So if you're right now failing these tests and failing these quizzes, uh, it, it's it's going to be a hard uh, it's going to be a hard path trying to do well on the exam come March. You've got to get it done um, here on, on Saturday. Um, eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Your number if you want to hop in and join us on overtime. We'll be right back to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and their big win in the Super Bowl. We make it easy to save money. Get access to thousands of discounts on shopping, dining, and travel with the CNB Plus Perks account. It's a powerful new way to save money with roadside assistance, cell phone protection, identity theft protection, and credit monitoring. Banking at CNB has its perks. Call or stop by a branch for more details. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. 
A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O TV, and start your seven-day free trial now. Why don't you lying? Why you always lying? Mm, oh my God, stop being lying. Always lying to me. You lying so much. You making it hard for me. Sorry about that, a little glitch in the system. Um, back here on overtime on a Monday night. Let's go ahead and head to the phones. We got Jordan on the line. What's up, Jordan? How's it going tonight? Going well. How are you? Doing great. I just wanted to call in on the discussion real quick of what you guys were talking about before the break. Um, you know, I think one of the problems with this year's team that we're starting to see, and you guys have mentioned in some of our, some of our losses, I think instead of us being the bully, that we're getting punked by some of these teams that are more mm. physical than we are, especially yeah. in the post. Um, I, I'm starting to kind of feel that Adu is more of a finesse type guy than he is more of an enforcer on the on the inside. You know, everybody talks about rim protection, yeah, um, and he he is a rim protector as far as you know his ability to get some blocks, but he's not a rim protector as far as his ability to to actually defend the rim with his body and his strength. Yeah, and I think we have seen some issues in some of these losses with him kind of getting, you know, bullied around uh, down low. And, and teams are able to kind of just put him under the basket and get easy looks around the rim. And I kind of would also say the same thing, you know, with our guards. And I think you kind of saw that Saturday night with Texas A&M. Their guards were able to be our guards and just get to whatever spot they wanted to on the floor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, like I said earlier, in, in the years past, you know, we always felt like when we walked into the gym that we were the boy. Mm-hmm. And that especially became clear last year as we started heading to the NCAA tournament and you started getting some national buzz about how physical we were. And I just feel that this season we've kind of sacrificed. You guys mentioned before, you know, we've been talking for, for a few years now to sacrifice some of that defense for some of that offense. Well, we have done that, but we've also sacrificed our physicality and us being the bully. Yeah. Um, so we let we we allowed South Carolina to come into our gym and punk us and bully us around, and we went to Texas A and M 
and we went to their gym and allowed them to punk us and bully us around. And I think that's just really what this team is missing on the defensive end. You know, I said it earlier uh, on the G.I. Jake show when I called in them, you know, I'm not saying that I would take Euros Plumage back as a player because I, I don't think he's that great of a player, but I think we can all agree yeah. that at least he would give you his five fouls and make them worth it. Mm-hmm. At least he would go in and be that punisher and yeah. be that tone setter mm-hmm. to let teams know you're not going to come in here and punk us. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like we're missing that mentality and that personality on this year's basketball team. Yeah, I, I see that as well. You know, Euros obviously had his struggles offensively and sometimes uh, defensively as well, but he always brought um, the energy um, in terms of, you know, hey, like, you know, I, I'm not afraid of you. Um, I'll absorb the contact. You know, we'll, I, I'll, I'll be the guy that kind of sets the tone for this team. Um, and I think you're right. You don't have that on this team. Um, Adu, I think finesse is a very good word. He's um, has a nice, nice moments offensively. Nice touch. Um, can can get some, uh, some can block some shots. But I don't think he absorbs contact too well. Um, and 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 sometimes as a result of that, kind of gets bumped around. And um, you know, in a situation where it's up for a rebound, kind of gets uh, bumped out of the play where he's not able to get those rebounds or able to get that good shot contest. So I think I, I think you're right. I think you're missing a. A, a imposing figure defensively, um, and, and I think that goes back to Tennessee's lack of depth at the five position too, though, um, because you know Mayshak's a really good defender, and, and you could maybe get some of that intensity from him. We talk about Zakai Ziegler being a pest. Mm. Um, you get a little bit of that intensity from them, but you're really lacking that down low and especially around the cup. Um, so I, I think you're right. You know, it, it definitely it definitely lacking that. Um, looking towards um, the matchup with Arkansas, um, are, are you worried about that game at all? I mean, you know, anytime you go on the road right now in the SEC, and especially in college basketball, I, I saw the stat. I think it was Saturday um, not you know, after we lost. Um, top 10 teams going on the road to play an unranked team in college basketball, they're 33-32. and 32. The unranked team is 33 and 32 versus top 10 teams on their own court. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, the, that's the most wins and the highest winning percentage in 15, 15 plus years. The data only went back to 2009, and it was the highest since 2009. So it, it could go back you know, 18, 20 years to be the highest. I think what you're seeing, a byproduct of that is you have a lot of 23, 24, even sometimes 25 year old kid guys, men, yeah. playing college basketball because of the extra year of COVID eligibility. Yeah. Um, the transfer portal and NIL has allowed other programs across the landscape to be able to bring guys in and immediately be successful. So right now you're just seeing a ton of parity across college basketball. And I understand Arkansas has struggled this season, but I think we can all know and agree they have a talent there. It's just a locker room you know, issue has brought that team down this season because everybody expected that, that Arkansas team to be competing for an SEC, to be in the NCAA tournament with a chance to make a run. Everybody, I think we all agree, Musman's a really good basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had some off-court issues, as we've all you know, been aware. So they're capable of beating you if if you allow them to stay in the game. Something that, I don't know who on the panel said it earlier, but I think you're right, and I felt this way in the game Saturday night. Within the first, I would say, three, four, five minutes of a road game, you can pretty much tell if Tennessee is going to be able to win or not. Yeah. Because when they go on the road, if those first couple of shots don't fall 
and they allow the other team to knock theirs down, you can just feel it watching in the game. The momentum immediately shifts. Yeah. And, like, you felt that happening Saturday night as the A&M game. The first three or four minutes, you, you could just feel that it wasn't going to be Tennessee's night. So, obviously, you know, you can say this with every road game, getting off to a fast start. I mean, just an example, look at the Kentucky game, right? Yeah. First shot, boom, three. Josiah, first shot, boom, three. Next thing you know, all the momentum's on our side. We're confident with a, with a pep in our step, and we're going to blow them out. Then you see the reverse of that in the game. So the key is getting off to a fast start, hitting those shots. Now, I sent you a couple of things earlier from shot quality. Shot quality actually said we should have won the game 82-79 yeah. because we took better shots than A&M did. But A&M just got hot for the one night. And as a Tennessee fan, it seems like it happens to us way more often than other teams, but it's because we follow our team so close. But, you know, we took good shots. They just didn't go in. A&M took ridiculous shots. They went in. Sometimes that happens. Now, I do think we may have a few more worries with this team than shots just not falling. Uh, you know, I worry Barnes has a history, even going back to Texas, that once that that calendar flips to February, his team's kind of tell off some. And, you know, I worry maybe this is the beginning of his if his team starting to tell off like his past teams have. Um, so this team, you know, I, I said it to you probably, I think, after the South Carolina game. UConn lost, I think it was five out of seven or six out of eight yeah. in January last year. Yeah. And they went on to win the national championship. Yeah. You can go past 10 or 15 years and find more teams who have, have done that. So losses right now, even though they suck, even though they all kind of fight, let us see the negative and see what worries us, there's still time for this team to figure out on – because they figure out on the offensive end. They, they figure that out. They're top 15 in offensive efficiency, which is the highest they've been since the Grant Admiral's team in 2019. They, they figure that end out. Mm-hmm. Now they're struggling on the defensive end. Can they – fix that can they get that figured out as you said earlier they're 172nd in defense in the last three games i mean yeah. that's we said sacrifice from defense but we didn't mean plummet to the bottom you exactly. know so they got they got to figure that in and there's plenty enough time to do it we may not be able to win the regular season sec championship now that that's probably kind of you know behind us but probably won't win the sec tournament but at this point as a tennessee fan we've already had all that success with barnes we've won the regular season we've won the tournament just give me a run of March. Yeah. Set yourself up. Get yourself right to take you a run of March. And every all these losses right now, if you take a run of March, nobody's going to care about what happened in College Station. Nobody's going to care what happened in South Carolina if you can get to an Elite Eight. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I'm looking at UConn last year from December 31st to February 11th. Uh, losses to Xavier, Providence, Marquette, St. John, Seton Hall, Xavier again, and Creighton. Um, and they were able to turn around after that only lose one more, and that was to Marquette in the um, Big East tournament. Um, now, they were not a number one seed like Tennessee wants to be. Um, they finished third in their conference where Tennessee probably doesn't want to be. Um, but, you know, even some of these losses right now doesn't mean the season is over, doesn't mean Tennessee's not capable. Um, but I think there are a lot of things you have to mend. And you've got to be able to be better defensively, especially against elite guards. You've got to find a way – to stop dominant big men or teams that are really good on the glass from taking over. Um, and and I, I think, you know, when you look at the last couple of road games you've had, even in the Vanderbilt game, you went down early, um, and, and they were able to jump out to a lead. You had to fight back in that one. 
against A&M on Saturday. You go down early, you're not able to fight back in that one. I think Tennessee, one thing they have to learn is how to respond in a game situation, in the middle of a game, how to respond with a run. And, you know, that's something last year that knocked Tennessee out of the tournament. They were not able to counter FAU's run. Um, and, you know, you, you, you've had bounce-back games where you've lost a game against South Carolina and then bounce back on the road against Kentucky. That's how to, you know, that's bounce back. Uh, but you're, you've yet to bounce back in a game this season. Um, so I, I think especially come tournament time, you have to be able to do that. They have not in the past, and they're still struggling with it right now. Um, Jordan, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just have one more thing before I get off here. I know you kind of keep up with it, too. You've mentioned it a couple of times. The, the Ken Palm, you know, offensive and defensive efficiency, where teams that make that national championship run, where yeah. they normally fall heading into the tournament. As of today, Tennessee still fits that criteria. And they have fit that criteria pretty much since the calendar foot to December. Um, so even though they have struggled here recently, they're still right in that in, in that fold of teams who, you know, 23 out of the last 24 national champions have had 114 or higher offensive rating and a 94 or less defensive rating, and Tennessee fits that criteria. So, you know, yes, they're struggling right now, but, but the, the analytics say and the history says Tennessee right now is one of the, I think, four or five teams in the country that fits that to, take, to make a national championship run. Just get – the things that we're talking about corrected, and, and Tennessee still has a chance. Now, one thing I will say I, w- I do worry about is dropping dropping some more games and falling down some seed lines. You know, you you were projected number one seed. Now you're falling down to about a mid-two seed. If you keep dropping some of these games, you may potentially even fall out to a three or a four if you just depend on how February the SEC tournament falls out. So right now, if they really want to make that championship title run, they need to figure it out so they can try to stay right about a two seed and not plummet down the seed line and end up in a game they don't want to be playing in the first or second round. Because they, I don't think they'll ever fall to a five. I think it's way too far. But if the bottom fell out and you fell to a five, Tennessee doesn't want to play a 12 seed in this, this year's NCAA tournament because there's too much parity in college basketball. Yeah. So yeah. they got to figure it out to stay, to stay right about that two seed line so they can put themselves in the absolute best position to be able to make a run. Yeah, I, I agree. A lot, of, a lot of good teams. Thank you so much for the call, Jordan. Um, and I think he, you know, mentioned it. Uh, transfer portal, extra COVID year. You got a lot of teams with some old players. Tennessee's got a couple too. Um, and there's just a lot of good teams now. I think even you see it in college football. A lot of teams now have the opportunity be, to be more competitive now because of the portal and NIL and college basketball. There's almost triple the amount of teams involved. So there are a lot of players. Um, you know, we got Don Connect from Northern Colorado. Um, and, and, you know, there are a lot of teams that are able to just reload and reload, um, and it goes both ways. You know, kids go from a Power 5 basketball school down to the mid-major level and vice versa. So it's all over the place, and I think um, as a result, you get a tournament like we did last year mm-hmm. where you have non-traditional basketball schools in there, um, like a Miami, like a Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. It just shows how competitive it is now and really anyone's game. Um, so I think Tennessee has got to continue to um, bun themselves up over the next couple weeks because you want you don't want to go into the tournament with negative momentum mm-hmm. and, and being a team that was really good in January and now they're not the same. Anything y'all you guys want to add? You know I just think really right now you you hit the nail on the head there. There's so much parity. There's three teams I think that are kind of a tier above that 
I would say they're going on the road, you know, unless it's a fellow top 15, top 20 team, that they're going to go handle business. Purdue's one of them, UConn and Houston. They've done it all year. They've they've won on the road against tournament-caliber teams, teams like Texas A&M and Mississippi State level. Um, and they're really the only three teams, I think, right now in the country that are playing at that high of a level. But there's four teams that go to the Final Four. And and, and not all three of those, I don't think, are going to make it either just the way March goes. Yeah. So there's, despite you know Tennessee dropping some of these games, so is the rest of the top ten. I mean, Kansas has done it. They did it last week. No one's doubting their chance to win a national title, etc. So I think you just kind of got to look at the landscape and realize this isn't uncommon. Um, you want a better, more competitive performance on the road, but it's not something, I think, to, to raise any red flags quite yet. Yeah. Anything to add? Okay, cool. All right, um, thank you so much for the call, Jordan. Always appreciate it. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. When we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit rogershydrantservice.com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz, a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. 
Back here on Overtime. Time for our best bets of the night. Um, a, a rough weekend for me, I, I'll, I'll say, before I <laughs> give my picks. Uh, 49ers missed. I had Colorado um, against Arizona pretty big as well. That missed as well. Um, but it's a new week. It's Monday. Let's get off to the right start. Um, and let's begin with uh, TCU minus 12.5 coming off a loss against Iowa State on the road on Saturday. Facing a West Virginia team that ranks 123rd in uh, defensive efficiency, um, 349th in steals, 147th in blocks. Um, this is a, a really bad West Virginia team um, now going on the road facing a TCU uh, squad that's looking for a bounce-back win after a tough one on the road against Iowa State. I know it's a little bit of a high number here, but I, I like it. Um, and I think you know they're, they're trying to trap you into taking that plus 12.5. Give me TCU minus 12.5 tonight. Yeah, I fell victim to that trap with West Virginia on Saturday against Texas, and they uh, lost by like 28. Yeah. Um, my first one, uh, 7 o'clock tip, Bucknell minus 2 against Lehigh. These teams met about a month ago, and, and Bucknell won at Lehigh by 6 points. This time they get them at home. Uh, they've been better in conference play and, and been the better team really throughout the season. They knocked off Penn State earlier in the year. Lehigh comes in with just 8 wins. Bucknell catch, or getting 2 points. Uh, uh, only minus two at home, uh, basically getting money line here. And I think winning on the road at Lehigh signals they should take care of business as well mm-hmm. at home. Uh, tonight I've got Kansas plus three and a half at Texas Tech. I mean, both of these squads have seen their ups and downs. Texas Tech has won some big games. I mean, they're sitting at like 17-5 and five right now, so not a horrible uh, year for them so far. Kansas has won some good ones, also lost some not-so-good ones. So, uh, again, both of these teams really living up to that typical Big 12, just kind of everybody-beats-each-other type of year. Uh, so, honestly, I'm, I'm going this one on a whim just because I could really see Kansas winning this one by a lot or just losing this one by a lot. Uh, I'm on the other side of this one. I've got Texas mm. Tech minus 3.5. Kevin McClure uh, Jr. out tonight for Kansas. That's a really big miss for them. Um, and the Red Raiders uh, offense ranks 13th in offensive efficiency, led by a trio of really good scoring jo- or guards and Pop Isaacs, Joe Toussaint, and Chase McMillan. Um, Isaacs is kind of their engine on this team, averaging 17 points a night, four assists per game. Um, he's not that efficient. Um, he's hot and cold, th- shooting 32% from three. But when he gets it going, he's really good. Um, also, keep in mind, Kansas has looked mediocre on the road all year, mm. um, falling short against UCF, West Virginia, Kansas State just last week, three worst teams in Texas Tech. Um, so I-, I think this is a really good spot for Texas Tech. Give me minus three and a half. Yeah, my next one, Texas Southern. We're going to the SWAC for this one. <laughs> Plus two and a half at Bethune-Cookman. Not sure how familiar you guys are with Texas Southern basketball, but they play a they I believe they've won their conference five of the last six years. And their record is usually right around five hundred. Right now they're nine and twelve. They play an insane non conference schedule every year. They usually don't have a home game till conference play and they'll mm-hmm. just play power five teams uh, until the end of December. Did that once again this year. Didn't have much success per usual. But they've run the swack and they've won six of their last seven in conference play, the lone loss coming at Jackson State. They're heating up. They do this every year. Getting plus two and a half at Bethune-Cookman with a team that is probably more talented than Bethune-Cookman. I like Texas Southern here, plus two and a half on the road as they're heating up. I've got the Bucks at home, just money line tonight, because I think the Nuggets are favored. No, they're not. They're not favored, but I'm 
it was they weren't favored earlier. I'll say so. I, I, I took the money line there uh, against the Nuggets at home. I th- they finally got a bounce back win over the Hornets. They dropped three in a row. Finally got over that hump. Find their footing again. They're going to be uh, without Chris Middleton tonight, uh, but I, I think they can take biz- take care of business at home against a really good Denver team. Uh, j- I just feel like Milwaukee needs this one uh, to continue stepping in the right path, getting back uh, towards the top of the East. Max, any more bets for you? Just one more. McNeese State, minus 19.5. One of the better mid-major teams this year. Will Wade, year one, proving why he's Mm -hmm. such a good coach, taking over a program that hadn't sniffed the tournament in our lifetime. And they're a 21-3 team traveling to Houston Christian, who is 6-21. Not very good. (laughs) I know this is a big number, but last time McNeese State went on on the road with a a double-digit spread was against Texas A&M Commerce last week, and they won by 26. So comfortable laying the 20 points here. They're just at a different level than the rest of their conference. Jason, any more for you? That's it for me. All right, best bets of the night. TCU minus 12.5. Texas Tech minus 3.5 for me. Max, your three. Bucknell, Texas Southern, and McNeese. I've got Kansas minus or plus three and a half in Bucks money line tonight. All right, that's going to wrap us up for the first hour of overtime. When we come back, we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Are you ready to play hard and work?